Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I really wanted to start off this sermon with a prayer. I really want us to stand and I really want us to intercede for our nation, for the division, for the lack of unity in the body of Christ. Amen. So let's pray for your neighbor. Let's pray for not just the neighbor on your street, but the neighbor next to you. And I really believe that God wants to do something special, but we need to pray. Amen. Because this battle is not carnal. It's not natural in his spirit. And we cannot fight this battle with carnal weapons. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this day, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you be present in this place, Lord God. We lift up our nation, Lord God. We lift up our president, Lord God. We lift up the the brokenheartedness of individuals who suffered as a result of this long year, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for the spirit of Advent. We worship the king in the midst of this chaos, Lord God. We have the peace, Lord God, that passes all understanding. And Father God, we ask that you be present and that we know your presence, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. And I just really really am excited about what God is doing in this season. This is a great opportunity that we have in this nation, right? When, 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 when the world is dark, we have the light. Amen. Amen. And I want to start off by reading John 4, 23, 24, just to lay a, a great foundation for this series that I'm kicking off today. And Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well and he said, but the hour is coming. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth. For the father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And isn't that something we gloss over that scripture and we don't really know what spirit and in truth is. And today I want to unpack that. And so why am I doing this? Why am I laying this foundation of spirit and truth in the context of the worship of the wise men? And, and, and so I, I began looking and studying afresh the story of the wise men because it's so rich on so many levels from the pursuit of Jesus for the, for the cost that they, they expended to, to see him from the, the singleness of mind that they distributed, the, 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 the obstacles that they overcame. And, and so there's so much richness that we will unpack in the next three weeks. But before we do that, I could not get away from in spirit and in truth. Amen. Because the wise men worshiped the king. They worshiped the king. They perceived, they perceived that this was the Messiah. And, and so 
I think it's awesome and that they showed us how to worship him. They bowed down, they presented gifts and the form of worship is wonderful. The form of worship is great, but I really want us to understand the heart of worship. I really want us to understand that we must not worship here on Sunday, but we make decisions that are double-minded, amen, that are unstable, amen. So I really want us to understand how worship, single-minded worship will help us in this day and time. Amen. It is not only a noun to worship, to revere, to extol, to esteem, to revere, but it is a verb to worship him. Amen. To what do I do to worship him? How do I worship him in my daily choices? How is that demonstrated on my job, in my life? What does that look like? I'm a practical woman. I love to, to, to knowledge. I love information. But at the end of the day, if I don't know how to do it, it is no use for me. Amen. Wisdom is great only if it's applied. Amen. And so I really want us to understand that Christmas is not only a reminder of God's love for us. It's not only a reminder of God's love for us, but it is a call to worship him in spirit and in truth. It is it is people know about Jesus, but they don't believe and Jesus. People, I, I've been around people who went to seminary and, and, and I grew up in, yeah, in, in, in this place that Yale Theological Seminary was. And so many people knew about the ideas, the facts of Jesus. And they just saw him as a great prophet, but they did not make him the Messiah. Oh, yeah. So knowledge alone won't do it. If we don't have the revelation of spirit, because God created us to be a spirit because spirit speaks to spirit and we cannot perceive things in our carnal minds. Uh, God has to reveal it to us. And so I want you to understand if you belong to Christ, that should be enough to secure you, right? If we belong to Christ, if he owns us and, and that should be enough, right? But we're human, right? We stumble. Even over the knowledge, even though uh, Bob talked about the remembrance, we, we leave the remembrance in the past and we don't apply it in our future. We don't believe that healing is for today. We don't look for the miraculous. We're just holding on. Lord, just get me through this week. Amen. And so I think of Advent and I think of, wow, the investment of worship in my life. See, worship was something that kept me even when I did not want to be kept. Amen. Worship of the God who I didn't understand this grace that he bestowed upon me. It kept me. It kept me from myself. When I wanted to do wrong, worship, it kept me right. And sometimes we know this, this he, that God is consistent. We, we know that he is a fence all around us when we make him our refuge, but we get preoccupied by the cares of this world. We worry about things like the elections. Boy, did that do a number on us in America, right? Right? We worry about to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. Oh my goodness, wait till real persecution comes. We worry, we worry 
about things that will not matter on judgment day. It will not matter. So I just want to strip back Christmas and say, worship him. Worship him. Worship him when you're depressed. Worship him when you're anxious. Worship him when you're blessed. When most of us act like we don't need him. That's when you are to worship him. Amen. So the main idea of this message today is that we must know the time. We must perceive the time like the, like, like the wise men. They perceived the time. They perceived the situation. And most Christians aren't perceiving the time. We're reacting in the natural and we're not perceiving the time. There's no discernment. And so when you live a lifestyle of worship, you are a discerning man or woman. I said, when you're living a lifestyle of worship, you are a discerning man and woman. And so many people say, I don't know what to do. Are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? And so I just want to set the record straight that this is a time to worship Christ in spirit and in truth. How do we do that? In singleness of mind. In singleness of mind. What does that mean? I'm going to worship in spite of my feelings. I'm going to worship in spite of this horrible situation I'm dealing with. I am choosing to, to light my tree. I am choosing to put out decorations on what we believe is the most devastating collective year of our lives. I am going to focus on Jesus Christ, I will not let it be stale. I want to see it with fresh eyes. And so this series will focus on the wise men, the worship of the wise men. But before I do that, I want to lay a foundation of this scripture. So let's turn to John 4, 20. Let's start in 20. And and before we, we go there, I just want to say that the woman at the well, we sort of focus on her sin. We focus on her shame and we focus on the wonderful redemptive qualities that Jesus bestowed on her. But we miss that it was one of the most extensive conversations about worship in the New Testament. Oh, man. Sometimes, you know, you know how you focus on your sin and what you do wrong. Right. And you miss the glory. You miss what God is trying to do. And so Jesus was talking to her and telling her all about herself and, and letting her know that he was the water, the, the living water. And I'm going to start reading in 20th and the, and the 20th verse of, of, of John 4. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And I want to say she was a Samaritan woman and and she had concerns about the long dispute between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. So this is in that context. And so she tells Jesus after he tells her all these wonderful things and after he redeems her from her, her sin and shame, she says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is there, is this place where you ought to worship? Is this a place we ought to worship? And 21 says, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you, when you will neither on this mountain worship nor in Jerusalem 
but worship the Father. And I think that's so important about the heart of worship. Because see, we're so worship, we're so focused on how we worship. If we go to church, and church is important because if you're not connected, you will be devoured in the end days. Amen. You have to be connected. And I'm not saying anything against corporate worship. I look forward to corporate worship. But Jesus is de-emphasizing the location of worship. And he is emphasizing that you better have your heart right with God. Worship must be a lifestyle. It's not about what, which mountain you worship on. And so Jesus is bringing it from the natural to the spiritual. And that's what we need to do this Christmas. You know, when we celebrate and we we enjoy the traditions of Christmas, look for opportunities to bring heaven on earth. Amen. Look for opportunities because people are perishing. People are perishing without vision. And if we don't give them a vision that Jesus Christ was not just a mere man, but that he was the redeemer and he is God himself, then this will be a dark Christmas, too. Amen. And so we are all commissioned to bring the good news of Christ, of Christ. And so she said, and I love this. Jesus was something else. You know, I just, he, he was that, that humor, right? I'm like, was he joking? Was he serious? But he goes on to say, woman, believe me, the hours to come, this time has come where you are worshiping on the mountain and not, you know, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but you need to worship the father. And he says, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. That is powerful. Like some of us are worshiping what we do not know. And that's why it's stale. We're not asking God to give us fresh eyes. Give us a new revelation of what we worship and why we worship and the standard in which we worship in. And that's a beautiful thing when we can worship with a new understanding of what his word says about his glorious wonders, his miraculous, his forgiveness, his grace. See, sometimes we get caught up in the world and we don't rediscover. And that's why I love we talked about Advent. Um, and, and, and it's a great opportunity to look and get excited about Jesus Christ again. And he said, but the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship at the father and spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. <laughs> and Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. That's powerful. That's powerful. Are you discerning? Do you need discernment? Let's talk about worship. And so true worshipers, what does that mean? What does that mean to worship in spirit and truth? True worshipers, it's something else. It's like you have to know the right object because the right object is always not known, right? We think we have a working understanding of what we're worshiping, but a lot of times Christians are not worshiping the true God. They're worshiping their circumstances. They're worshiping their families. They're worshiping looking for significance. They're worshiping their gifts. They're worshiping um, the traditions and traditions are great. They bring us close to God. And I have a confession to make. I, I really want to be transparent with you. I'm addicted to Hallmark movies. I, I used to think they were corny, Nancy, and... Nancy would say how great they were, and I would go, oh, you know, 
okay, but after this year, you looking for anything. <laughs> it's like, wow, cranberry Christmas, marry me before Christmas, a baby before Christmas. I mean, we're just looking for any light. And the thing about Hallmark, this is how I justify my addiction. There's always a faith-based, right? Say it's Christian, Nancy. It's, it's a faith-based, <laughs> it's, a, it's a faith-based perspective. But it's like, the world is looking for hope. The world is looking for love, right? And I love, the, we know the premise of, of a Hallmark movie. You know, there's a woman that has a, 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 a pine lodge or, or a bed and breakfast. And, 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 and this is all of it in a nutshell. So if you don't like them, let me, t- let me tell you what it is. And, 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 and all of a sudden, she doesn't have a chef. But then in the center of town, as she gets some, some great organic food for her farm to table restaurant, there's a man, sort of mysterious, on a motorcycle, but he turns out to be a world renowned chef from San Francisco. I mean, but I'm believing it, I'm eating it up, you know? And, and honey, don't try to act like you don't like it. He gets upset when I go to, he gets upset when I go to the kitchen to get water. Honey, you missing it. I'm not gonna rewind it, you need to be attentive. And I'm like, I want to get water. I want to get something to do. Would you like, oh, I'll just stop it. <laughs> this is the truth. This is your pastor. So I'm just telling you how to pray for us during this season that we keep our mind on Christ and not the, the, the escapism of the Hallmark movies because we, we, we love them. And, and, and so that's the theme of it. But, it, but I, I see why they're more and more, more popular than they were in recent years because there's been so much bad news. There's been so much mis- misinformation, fake news, so much division. P- church People are leaving churches in the droves because there's racial divisions. There's, there's, there, there's this sense of I'm making an idol of what I believe. And we can't have discourse about the differences in the body of Christ and we're forsaking the power of unity. And that's what Satan wants. So we have to worship in spirit and truth to overcome our differences. Amen. And so that's why I really want to state this. And, and, and so they understood true worshipers. You have to know what you're worshiping. So you must have the right object. Okay. So true worshipers, they must know how, what does spirit and truth mean? It means that they have the right attitude and they have the right spirit. The right attitude, the right spirit. So we must know the right object, who we are worshiping. And then we must have the right attitude, which is a spirit. And then in truth, we must have the, the right attitude and the right spirit. And, and it's very interesting about this text. When you look at that scripture of spirit and truth, the NLT study Bible commentary stated that the text of spirit and truth, there is one Greek preposition that governs both words, which make in spirit and truth one concept. So I was trying to pull it apart and, and you can't. And, and this is why, this is why you can't. So true worship occurs as God's spirit reveals God's truth and reality to the worshiper. You can't separate that. Okay. Basically, Jesus Christ is truth. He is truth. And you have to understand that standard in today's world. He is not a good option. 
He is not something that I try when all else fails. He is the truth. Amen. Are you double minded? Are you unstable? I know I struggle because I'm by 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 nature. I'm an extrovert and I I care for the world. I care for people. And so I have to always rein in the way God created me to come back to the heart of worship. Because sometimes why the division is so strong in the church is because we take our ideas, our passions and our giftings and our bents and we make them Lord. My personality is not the standard of which I worship. The word of God is the standard for which you worship. So you're saying, why the word of God? We're talking about worship because in the beginning was the word. And the word was God and the word was with God. And so we have to stop reading scripture out of context. We have to not take it to fit our agendas. To put to to make it to skew it to fit what we believe, our desires, our political leanings. We must let the word be the word and let God be God. And when there's silence in scripture and when there's when it doesn't it doesn't speak exactly what it's saying, let that minister to you. There's so much addition in the body of Christ, and that's why we're double minded. Amen. And so I just think of how there's so much disruption and and I think about how God wants to bring us into the right spirit, the right standard. God is the standard. He knows, you know, I was talking to a, a gentleman, me and my husband was talking to a couple and we were talking about, you know, just the love of God and how he forgives and how he's merciful. And he began to talk about how, you know, well, I don't know if sin's a problem. I don't know if my sin, I think God's grace um, will help me to, you know, allow me to, to just be in the body of Christ. And, 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 and I don't think I should change it. And he said, and we were talking to him. We were like, well, which Bible are you reading? When we begin to to justify our sin and say, God knows my heart, we got some problems with worship. And it's not to come down hard on us because we who is without sin. Right. But it's to say that, Lord, I want to worship you in spite of what I'm dealing with. Lord, I'm tempted beyond belief. Help me not to fall into temptation, but deliver me from evil. We stop worshiping. So we keep falling. We worship what we want. And God is saying, let's worship the king. So the wise men, the wise men, I love them. They really were the example of singleness of mind and worship. Amen. And, and we know there's so many myths about who they were. Um, you know, some, some texts, you know, we have songs about, you know, the wise men and three wise men and where they were from. Some people are exact where they know where they were from. And, and, and I think that we don't need to add to it, but we can learn from it. And so they, I thought, had the right object, the right attitude, and the right standard in their worship. 
And so the wise men came from the east and came to Jerusalem. And they have been called magi kings or, or, or wise men. And some people believe that they were astrologers. Some people believe that they were in the king's courts and they, they, they were discerning and predicting and that they had this inside information. And so let's start reading Matthew 2, 1 through 10. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, beheld wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born to the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem and the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd my people who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may too come and worship him. When they heard the king, they departed and behold the star, which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced and were exceedingly filled with joy. Isn't that great? They were glad. And there's a lot going on in this text. I was thinking about how they were single-minded and I'm thinking that these were educated, wealthy men to make such an investment on this trip. And then they're standing before Herod. And I was thinking to myself, well, did they know what his intentions were? You know? And, and, and we don't know if they knew, but I bet there was some like, hmm, Okay, we told them, put that in your back pocket, but they, they were focused. And so I want us to glean from when we have difficulties in our lives, when we deal with obstacles, we worry sometimes about how it would turn out. And we sometimes can idolize the worry. Don't you know what I'm going through? And, and, and so, I was thinking like if that was me <laughs> before Herod, my husband knows this. I would be like, well, you think you're going to follow us? <laughs> How crazy is he? You know, we heard a lot about him, but they were focused. They were they knew what they came to do. They invested all this money on this trip and they just kept looking for the star. We need to look for the star. Amen. We need to keep our eyes on the prize and that's worshiping the king. We can't entangle ourselves with worldly things. We cannot entangle ourselves with worldly things. And when that happens, we become double minded. We become we worship our ideas. We worship our opinions. And then we don't look at the the star. Christians need to make worship an intention. Yes. 
It needs to be a priority in our lives. And so they invested in their worship. Um, I love what James talks about not being double-minded because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. They were clear about who they were worshiping. They, they had the right object in the face of Herod. Oh, we're, we're going to look for, for baby Jesus. We're going to look for the king. And that was a problem to Herod because you can't tell a king that you're looking for a king in his province. But they weren't moved. They knew what they came to do and they did it. Amen. They were kingdom not minded. They knew the right standard. They said, we're going to finish this task. We don't know what the worship was in their heart. We don't know if, if they what they truly believe, but we know that we can learn from their perseverance of worship. Christian, these days we lack perseverance like we used to. You know, we quit at any sign of obstacle. Maybe this isn't the Lord. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, this is not confirmation. When did we become so moved by what we feel and not by the standard of what God said? So these men perceived that they got a revelation about who Jesus was and where he was, and they did it. And so we can learn from these wise men. We can learn from them and that we need to just stay focused on those things. They rejoiced and they were humble in his presence. The right object, the right standard. They were humble. These were learned men. These were wealthy men. And when they saw Jesus, what did they do? They bowed down. They bowed down. They presented him with gifts. They knew what they had accomplished. So they traveled afar, dealing with the obstacles of that day, facing Herod. And then the star was there. And then they bowed down when they saw Mary and Joseph. And we don't understand how our obedience to worship can bless somebody. I I was just thinking of Joseph and Mary, you know, at the time and how fragile they must have been. And, And you know, when you're going through dark times and then someone just blesses you and you're just encouraged to go on by their worship. And they sometimes don't even know it that but 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 they're obedient. So I would think that Joseph and Mary, it was confirmed like these men (laughs) from afar are coming and bowing down, presenting gold, frankincense and myrrh. This this was like really wealthy. And some texts say that that financed their trip. And who knows what it was, but that must have been real encouraging for a mom and dad to receive this. Like, you know what, what the angel said to you, Joseph? You know what the angel said to you, Mary? But this is evidence. Can we be the evidence of worship for some people? Can our obedience to worship be a testimony in itself? Because Christians, sometimes we talk a lot and our talk is cheap. But when we can worship God in spite of our situations, when the world can see that I don't understand it, this is where (laughs) this is where I am to go. The wise men, I mean, probably could have been ridiculed. Where are you going? What are you investing in? Do you know where you're going? Inherit's territory? 
Yeah, I got, I got some going, but they didn't care because they just kept their eyes on the star. And so the focus, the perseverance of them encourages me. And I know when I was going through some tough times, fires, infertility, um, um, betrayal, I saw the worship Amen. of my brothers and sisters, and it gave me life. It gave me life that God is worthy. He is worthy, not because he is doing what I desire, but he is good anyway. And that's the standard in which we need to bring this Christmas, that God is worthy. If he does not bless you the way you want to be blessed, he is worthy because he gave his son. He is worthy because he gave us a spirit to worship him. And sometimes we like to think and, 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 and reason and, and pontificate about why this is a hard time for me. And, you know, this is a hard time for me. And I know Christmas is a very hard time. We don't have a lack of clients. This is the busiest time of year in my practice. So I know it's a hard time. But can we create a new tradition? This year has been tough. You, some of you are traveling. Some of you probably can't see your family. But can we make a new tradition? Can we take authority over this time that we're living in and say, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to be the difference. I'm going to let my light shine before men so they can honor him. We not only need to talk about worship. Worship on Sundays is powerful because I get strength every time I see, every time I see my brothers and sisters, every time I hear them worship. I may come in, I may be a little tired or beat down from the week, but then I get a smile, I get a hug, and I hear my favorite song. And then it just encourages me. And it's a witness. And it's, and, and that's great. But can we be the demonstration? Can our worship be the demonstration? to the world that we're living in today. When they think of you, do they say, she worships God? I don't have a question about what she worships. That's what she, her object is God. Her standard, she doesn't worship a a, a Jesus that's, you know, sometimes that, that winks at us. She worships a Jesus that is God and that he is the only way. He is not to be compared to any other gods. And so we need to get excited, spirit and in truth. We need to be excited about how he is coming into the world and coming into our lives today because we have the answer. Do we believe that we have the answer or are we just waiting for circumstances to dictate to us? We need to know who the president is. We need to know we, 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 my kid has to be perfect. Um, when I get this money, when I get married, then I will worship him. Then I will have peace. I'm just not settled right now. I'm in a weird season. I love this all the time. I'm in this weird season, pastor. You know, God's doing something with me. Worship him. Don't let the devil take your worship away from you because then he has your heart. So if you don't feel like worshiping, worship him. I'm telling you, when you worship him, it, it, it stirs the spirit up. It stirs your affections up and we need to set our affection on things above. Look up. 
Look up, not on things on the earth because we are dead, right? And our new life, our new life is hid with Christ and God. And I love, that's my favorite scripture in the Bible, Colossians 3, because it just brings, it boils it all down. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. So aren't I excited with the celebration of Jesus Christ? Or am I just going to let it, you know, let it be a traditional thing where I, you know, put up the tree, smell the pine. I love the smell of pine. I watch my Hallmark movies, even though they're great. But but is that all? Are we going to let it just be about our favorite family dish? Those great, those traditions bring us together. And those things are important, especially now to bring unity and to, to bring comfort in a difficult time. But are we going to go higher and say, Lord, I worship you. I worship you in 2020. I'm not saying, oh, I can't wait till it's over. I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to do now? Now is a time where true worshipers will worship you in spirit and truth. What are you saying to me? What are you saying about my decisions? What are you saying about my career? What are you saying about my kids? What are you saying about my marriage? I've been struggling in my marriage for years, Lord God. What, what are you saying about that? Worship them. It's in worship. My heart changes in worship. <laughs> I can walk in and be bitterness and salty about certain things, not salty in the right way, the wrong way. You know, we heard that message last week about getting salty and we need to get salty and we need to be light for the world. But I'm talking about negative salty, you know, where I'm just fixed. They hurt me. That ain't right. They need to get their, their selves right. And I'm just tired of being the one that's always bending and breaking. And then when I worship, Lord God, you're so good. The Lord is my light. I sing my favorite songs. Whom should I fear? Whom should I be afraid? And then all of a sudden, my heart has changed. Right. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thinking like, I'm praying for the person who is persecuting me. I'm, 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 I'm praying for that person. Isn't that something? So can we let the flow of worship infiltrate us? Can we let, and we're going to look at all of that over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the, 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 the wise men and, and the gifts. And I, and I want to end with the frankincense because I just love um, the smells. I, I'm, I love the senses. I do a lot of aromatherapy because it just smells good. I, I'm, I don't know if it works in reducing anxiety. It just smells, I like my house to smell good, you know. So I, I just love that. And so I was thinking about frankincense and, and, and worship and how it's primarily used in the Bible. And it speaks to worship. It, it really speaks to worship. And, and Jesus was given up as an offering to humanity. And so I can see why that was one of the gifts that was presented, that this is a person that we are to worship. That was a new concept individual to people. That was a new concept because up to that point, we worship God alone. And so the fact that these wise men came, bowed, submitted, presented gifts, worship was, was joyful, was a new thing because they were saying when they presented that frankincense, you're God. Ooh, that's that's powerful. Yeah. And and so God warned them. And I love when you read, I'm not going to read it, but go back to read Matthew 2, 12 and how, you know, the obstacles they dealt with were huge and 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 they were worried. They weren't worried, but 
God gave him a dream about the intentions of Herod. And he he told them not to, you know, return that way and to go a different way because Herod had intentions that were bad, even though he said that he wanted to worship him, but God gave discernment. And so I really want to leave you with worship. Worship gives you discernment. It changes your perspective. It changes your perspective. So we don't need to worry about what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? How are we going to handle a situation? If you worship him, the priorities come into view. They come into view. And so we can be a stabilizing force. We can be a stabilizing force, not just to ourselves and our family, but to the world we live in. I love um, what Charles Spurgeon says. He says about worship. He talks about corporate worship. He says, some go to church to take a walk. <laughs> some go there to laugh and talk. Some go there to meet a friend. Um, some go there to spend time, you know, just being in the know. Some go there to meet a lover. I don't know what church they're talking about, but... <laughs> Some go there a fault to cover. Some go there for speculation. Some go there just to be spectators or for observation. But he said, the wise go there to worship. <laughs> when we forget that coming to church is primarily about worship, that this, you know, we idolize, we revere, we highly esteem Jesus. Christ, the Lord. And so when we forget that, it's easy just to pass away and just skim over worship. Oh, I got to do this. I got to shop. I got to, I'm worried about this gift I'm going to get. I'm worried about taking the picture with Santa. I got to bring all these traditions to light. But have a worship service with your kids. <laughs> How about bring worship into it? Because this is a house of prayer and the standard is the word of God, but worship brings it all together. We worship the true God. He is the standard. He is the object. And we are to have the right attitude. And we don't have to worry about the evil days because when we worship, he'll give us a dream. When we worship and we're intentional about worshiping, he gives us a dream. He gives us wisdom. He gives us discernment. So people say, I'm praying. I just haven't heard. Or I haven't gotten revelation. I don't want to move before God. So I'm stuck in this limbo. Have you worshiped? Have you prayed specifically about it? Have you cast it? your cares on him and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I place it over here and I worship you because you're good. Amen. I'm not worshiping my problem. I'm not worshiping um, that man, that child, that daughter, that son. I'm worshiping you. Amen. Amen.